This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Baseball season, it comes and goes. But Crawford Bach just flows and flows. It's the Bach to drink any time of year. You don't need a reason because it's a dang good beer. You can rock the Bach at a music festival or rodeo, Shakespeare in the Park, or Lowrider Car Show. It's the Bach for bonfires and happy hour, South Padre, even your next baby shower. So share a Crawford Bach anytime with your favorite gals and bros. And when baseball season comes back, let's go Strohs! This episode of Astrocast is brought to you by Carbach Brewing. Carbach Brewing. Today, the Houston Astros open up the American League Division Series as they take on the Oakland A's at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles. The Astros got here by sweeping the Wild Card Series in Minnesota two games to none. The A's had to work a little harder to defeat the White Sox as that series went the distance, but the A's wound up defeating the White Sox two games to one. Astros will send Lance McCullers Jr. to the mound as we take a look at today's pitching matchup presented by Houston Methodist. Houston Methodist is proud to be the official health care provider for the Houston Astros. Houston Methodist leading medicine. Steve, a little bit of a surprise that McCullers gets the ball in game one, except when you look at how he's pitched lately, and he's going to be on, on pretty good rest since he didn't pitch in the, in the Twin Series. Yeah, you know what? He has pitched fantastic. Let's, let's get to that first. In those three games since he had the neck nerve irritation, uh, he gets the cortisone shot, and, and voila, here comes the curveball again. And we see Lance McCullers with the swing and miss and the strikeouts and, and all that you love about him. Uh, it also gives the bullpen a little rest on game two, which, you know, in the middle of this series when there's no off days, I think is important that you get Framber Valdez to pitch game two of this series. That way, if he goes seven or third innings, those, those relievers, the ones you really count on, aren't going to get taxed every single day. That's right. And meanwhile... The Oakland A's will counter with Chris Bassett. And, you know, we talk about him all the time, how he almost gets overshadowed by the other pitchers in this A's rotation. He pitched great in game two of the wild card series against the White Sox, getting into the eighth inning and giving up just a run. And just take into consideration that their backs were really against the wall. They were down 0-1 in that series to the White Sox. Uh, In comes Chris Bassett. And of the, the top 10 ERA leaders in the American League this year, only Garrett Cole and Chris Bassett are left in the playoffs now. So... He has been overlooked, and the Astros uh, aren't overlooking him because he's done really well against Houston, and uh, they know that he likes to pitch inside a lot, so they're going to look for the ball out away from him. Try to get the ball in the air just like everybody else. They don't want to hit the ball on the ground. they got to get some pitches elevated that they can lift. Keys to the game presented by Honda. Visit your local Greater Houston Honda dealers for great deals on all models. Honda, the official sponsor of the Houston Astros. Well, one of the, the big changes this year with the postseason format uh, is no days off in the division series, and also that will be true for the league championship series as well. So uh, Monday through fi- Friday, if this series goes the distance, five games in five days, and obviously that will really tax both teams' bullpens. Potentially it could if this series goes four or five games. So on paper, that really favors the Oakland A's because their bullpen's the best in the, in the American League, and uh, they're much deeper, and they can also have a few more starters go out and, and give them a little help, and the Astros are going to have to – really rely on some young pitchers. I think of Anoli Paredes, Andre Scrub, Blake Taylor, some of these young guys 
that they're going to have to get out there and throw strikes. You know, that three batter minimum for, for these pitchers to come in there, you can't really afford to have guys walk one or two batters. So, you know, for me, that's the key to this series. Can these young pitchers for the Astros throw strikes when they get in the game? Also, because of the no-off days, I think that's a big reason why both Bob Melvin and Dusty Baker only announcing their starters for the first two yeah. games because you're going to have the other pitchers available in the bullpen, and who starts game three and potentially a game four will depend on how that usage goes. And what's the score in the series? Right. You know, how desperate are you at that point? If it's one-to-one, -one, then maybe you can uh, give yourself a little latitude. We felt like in that first series when there was a best of three, it was almost like three game sevens. I, I think these managers, especially early in this series, manage it a little bit more normal than usual. Coming up next, we'll hear from Astros manager Dusty Baker, and a little later we'll hear from A's radio broadcaster Vince Contronio. But now this from your local station. What's even easier than hitting a home run into the Crawford boxes? Deep to left field, and you can kiss that goodbye into the Landry's Crawford boxes. How about cracking open a delicious Crawford box? Carbox Crawford Bach pairs perfectly with peanuts, stadium dogs, and a good seventh inning stretch. Plus, a portion of the proceeds from each beer goes to the Astros Foundation to support community initiatives. So root, root, root for the Astros with a cold Crawford Bach this season. A great series win over the Twins and the Wild Card Series, Dusty, and now getting set to take on the, the Oakland A's. And before we talk about the past series and this upcoming series, I want to ask you about a, a couple of people that we lost in the baseball world this past weekend, people that, that you certainly knew. Uh, Bob Gibson, who you faced, Hall of Fame pitcher, passed away Friday, and I know you got to know him. Uh, and Ron Paranowski, who was yeah. a great reliever with the Dodgers and was your pitching coach when you managed in, in San Francisco back in the 90s, uh, passed away this, this weekend as well. If you could just talk about those two men and, and, and what they meant to you and, and what you remember about them. Well, you know, I mean, it was a tough week, and also I lost my my teammate Jay Johnstone this week as well. And that's uh, right. So, I mean, those are all those guys are great guys, and, and you know, you know, most recently, you know, Lou Johnson. Also, it seems like every week somebody's passing. But you know, to to talk in uh, particular about Perry, I mean, he was a you know fun loving guy, a very knowledgeable guy. You know, taught me a lot um, when I was a player about pitching and also as one of my coaches. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that, that, that convinced me that um, it was best to have a left-handed pitching coach uh, because they, you know, they thought differently. They had to pitch probably more. Most of them aren't power pitchers uh, and, or either the right-handed pitching coaches that I had in particular, Dick Pohl and Mike Maddox thought left-handed. And so, you know, there, there is it might sound weird, but there is a there is a different in thought process between the right handers and the left handers. And, uh, um, you know, when I think about those guys, um, uh, you know, it hurts a lot, you know, to, and, and you realize that you're, you know, that you're getting older, too, and everybody else is, too. And uh, Bob Gibson was probably the guy that intimidated uh, the only pitcher that really intimidated me or only man in my life other than my father. And uh, so I had to wait till he got a little older before I was going to speak back and try him a little bit. And I, I, I wasn't even sure then. He'd <laughs> <laughs> be in a Golden Glove boxer, which Hank Aaron told me about. I don't know if he was old enough at that time. But, uh, you know, when you're missing guys like him and Lou Brock, I mean, you know, they come at the same time. I mean, they left at the same time. They were best friends. And, uh, you know, you think about some of your best friends, uh, you know, that are, that are still here with you and you wonder – you know, when and if that's going to happen to them or you. 
what stood out to you about that that twin series? It was almost like you know you kind of blank and you and you missed it. You know, the two games mm-hmm. it seemed like it went by really really quickly. What really stood out to you about the way your team played? Well, in that it went series? by quickly for you guys. It, it, it went <laughs> it wasn't enough for us because you you know when you got the lead, you want the game to hurry up and, and end. You know, but you know what stood out is the fact that you know we went in which we wanted to do. We wanted to go in and 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 win two games before. You know, they knew what hit them or, or before they woke up. And, uh, you know, we'd like to do the same every series, you know. And uh, uh, I mean, we know this series is going to be a little different, but we'd like to do the same thing here. And I'm sure they're thinking about the same thing. So you just don't want to give them chances. Uh, what stood out was the fact of, you know, how good our pitching was. I think it helped also that they hadn't seen some of our guys, you know, where, where with this series here, you know, there's no surprises. We all, you know, we all know each other. So, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, we had decent weather and uh, and you see the fall in there yet. But, you know, we love the town. What stood out probably more than anything was the difference in the town. You know, there was nobody downtown, nobody on the highways. You had a strange vibe in, in, in the city, you know, because, uh, you know, the George Floyd situation and uh, it's still present. And uh, uh, the bo- they're still boarded up. And, uh, you know, you couldn't go out to eat. They got great restaurants there. And so that's that's what probably stood out the most is that, you know, the difference that, you know, we felt spiritually and, and mentally in Minnesota. You mentioned facing the Twins, a team you, you hadn't seen all year. And now you're facing the A's, a team that you saw 10 times. And the mm-hmm. A's wound up taking seven of, of those games. Uh, is there any common theme that you look at from, uh, the games you played against Oakland during the regular season, something that, I mean, obviously you want to win more of those games, but something that you feel like your team really needs to improve upon if you're going well, to, to beat the A's. You know, most of those, most of those games were, were played in their park, you know, I mean, uh, of all the games we only play, I think two in our park and the rest of them were in theirs, you know, and that's a tough park, you know, to win in and there, they've been extremely tough in their park the whole time. The, the two games we had in our park, you know, we won both of them, and we kind of had them on the run at the time until the coronavirus hit their club, or the threat of the coronavirus hit their club. So the main thing is, um, you know, you got to you got to cease from walking them because they depend on the walk a lot, and you got to keep them in the ballpark. And uh, and 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 we know that they have a outstanding, uh, uh, you know, bullpen, an experienced bullpen, a bullpen that's been together for a while. And uh, if they have the nod, that's probably where they have the nod. But, hey, man, we'll, it, it's our in, – in my mind, it's our turn to, you know, to get on their starters pretty quickly and, and, and then try to get in their bullpen and wear them out. Dusty Baker, thanks for joining us. Good luck today. Okay, man. Thank you, Robert. All right. We'll be back with more of Astro Launch right after this. This episode of AstroCast is brought to you by Carbock Brewing. And welcome back to Astro Launch, everybody. This is Steve Sparks before game one of the ALDS with the Oakland A's. And uh, why wouldn't we talk to Vince Catronio, who knows everything about the Oakland A's? Uh, he's been a, a longtime radio broadcaster, not only with the A's, but with the Rangers and the Astros as well. So, Vince, welcome. Welcome. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. You looking forward to this? Well, a lot of things have happened for the A's just to get here, Steve. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. The A's haven't won a series in the postseason since 2006. And so losing the first game of the White Sox, Lucas Giolito was outstanding, winning game two behind Chris Bassett, and coming from behind in game three, which they did, 
to win the deciding game, I thought gave the A's a pretty significant lift and put them in this position, which I think a lot of people around baseball are looking to see happen, wanting to see the A's and the Astros tussle one more time and see how it turns out. Well, Chris Bassett pitched game two, as you mentioned, with his back against the wall. So he felt that pressure with you guys down 0-1 elimination time, uh, and he pitched great again. And he's been uh, as good as it is anybody in baseball in the last five weeks. Tell me what's uh, helped him turn that corner and become one of the best pitchers in the American League. He's such a unique personality, Sparky, because he's a goofy guy off the field, and you know mechanics very well. And you watch his mechanics, and he looks like, you know, he's he, – He's out of control. A lot of arms, a lot of elbows, a lot of kneecaps, a lot of big arm swings. But those mechanics work for him. This is a guy that had Tommy John surgery. And because of his mechanics, he thought that the Tommy John took longer. It was a struggle for him. Since then, he's kind of grown. The things that have helped him have been more above the neck. From the standpoint of, I'm not going to worry about whether I'm a starter or a reliever. Whatever role they put me in, I'm going to do my best. I think that cleared his head quite a bit, mm. and he led the club in strikeouts a year ago. So you fast forward to 2020, and you say, okay, well, that's great. Can you do it again? And he's been very consistent for the club. You know, live fastball, 94 miles an hour. He has you know, the slow curveball, you know, 69 to 72. And he's added uh, you know, the cutter slash slider, which has really improved his arsenal and has allowed him to attack hitters you know, and another way gives him something else to think about. Uh, he's not afraid to work out of the stretch and either wind up at the same at bat, a combination of because he feels like he rushes or just wants to give the hitter a different look. He's done that with the Astros multiple times this year, considering he's faced them three times. And as he goes into this game today against the Astros, he says, yes, I know they know me and I know them. And it comes down to, as he put it, who's going to have the better day? Is he going to command the baseball the way he wants? Are, are they going to get to some of his mistakes? I think that's going to be interesting to watch because he has become the ace, third of the league in ERA. Mm -hmm. uh, he and Garrett Cole are the only two in the top ten in the ERA that are still standing. So it, it, it's an opportunity for Chris on a, on a much larger stage uh, to continue to show what, what has made him who he is and got the A's where they are. And he trusts his catcher, doesn't he? He's talked about Sean Murphy – a rookie catcher multiple times about how much preparation goes into uh, what he does, but he trusts him implicitly, doesn't he? He really does. And, and, and Bob Melvin does also as a former catcher, Bob always says, I'm hard on my catchers. Mm -hmm. They've got to know the signs. They've got to know our protocols. They have to know what I'm thinking. And Murph's been a big league camp for three years now. So there is some familiarity, at least going back to spring trainings and catching bullpens and just watching him mature. He's always been an outstanding defender, great blocker of the baseball, and he's just really kind of grinded down in, in preparation to get his pitchers in the best position to be successful. And for a guy like Bassett, who's 31, he's been around to say, like you mentioned, use the word implicitly, I trust him. I'm, I'm rarely gonna shake this guy off. It speaks volumes to the value that Sean slash Johnny Bench, according to Dusty Baker, has yeah. <laughs> for the A. Sean Murphy's been a he's been a, a great uh, success story this year, not just because of the way he's grown behind the plate, but you can make the case he was the A's best hitter down the stretch as well. And his home run in Game Three, to this point, has been the biggest hit of the season for the A's, and he is well thought of both by the coaching staff and certainly by the rotation.
Hey, Vince, the last few years, every time we come to Oakland or Oakland comes to Houston, I always want to know, how's Chris Davis swinging it right now? Very streaky hitter, and he'll go in some big-time lulls from time to time. You've seen it all. But right now, he's swinging the bat pretty well, isn't he? He had a very good September. Now, it was a slow burn, and it goes back to you know, what makes Bob Melvin who he is. First of all, because of the shortened season, he said it's very early in the year, check your ego at the door. We don't have time to wait for players if they're in a slump, especially if they're a one-way player like Chris because he's not going to play defense. Matt Olson's a different story. Matt has come up with big hits, big home runs. He's driven a lot of runs. Of course, his batting average is down, and he's a plus defender. So the A's basically pressed pause on Chris and just used a variety of other players in the DH role, whether it was Mark Hanna or Robbie Grossman if he wasn't starting in the field or somebody else. And then he started up against the lefties in September. He's worked quite a bit with Darren Bush. They've made some adjustments in a swing. You'll notice today that he'll kind of rock back in his motion and the hands are a little closer to the body. He just, he, he just looks more confident right now. And you know this very well, Sparky. There, there are times where a guy steps in the batter's box and it feels like home. And there are times where he steps in the batter's box when it feels like he's on Mars. Mm-hmm. And I think he feels real comfortable right now. He's gotten some big hits down stretch, had a home run against Dallas Keuchel. Uh, when we tape this, we haven't seen the starting lineup yet, so I don't know if he's going to start against Lance McCullers, but he'll certainly be in there game two against Franco Valdez. And Chris Davis, as we know, for, for three years, carried the A's. And he, he allowed the spotlight to be on him, which took the pressure off of everybody else. He's not there, but he has certainly provided some intensity and I think that has really helped the ace. He's going to be in the bottom half of the lineup if he starts. And if he can continue to get big hits like he did in September, boy, it really bodes well for the A's. I know Bob is really counting on him to have an important, uh, an important time in this series against the Astros to be successful. Last thing with uh, Oakland A's radio man, Vince Catronio. If you could just touch for just a second on two players that you haven't had all season but have played big roles for the Oakland A's uh, second half, say, or maybe even th- just the last few weeks with Jake Lamb at third base and Tommy LaStella at second base. What kind of impact have they made? Let's start with LaStella, who has made an incredible impact on this club. When he joined the team, the A's were last in the league in strikeouts yeah. as a team. As they finished the season, they were in the middle of the pack. Tommy rarely strikes out, has a tremendous veteran, professional approach at the plate. And I think that's just kind of permeated. It also has helped Matt Olson down in the lineup to see how pitchers are, how they're attacking a left-hand batter, which certainly is information that Matt Olson would like as he gets ready to step in the box. I really think he's made an unbelievable difference for the club, a very stealthy, under-the-radar move by uh, David Force and Billy Bean. As for Jake Lamb, First, Matt Chapman went down out for the year, which is a huge void for the A's, both in intensity and leadership and ability. And then the very next day, Chad Pinder got hurt. So the A's really were looking elsewhere to find somebody that could plug that hole. They were surprised that Jake was uh, DFA by Arizona. And I think at that point, you're hoping that you're going to get a big hit or two. And Jake led the club at OPS in September. A lot of big hits, played against lefties and righties. And now Pinder is healthy enough to play which I know is the bane of Brent Strom's existence because <laughs> he's had so many big hits against the Astros over the years, and he will, he will certainly play even in matchups in game one and certainly will start game two at third base against Valdez. So that, 
that third base combination, while it's not Chapman, has more than sufficiently plugged that hole for now. And I think they feel very good moving forward with that position. But, but La Stella, I think, is, has really, really made an impact for this club. All right, that's Vince Catronio with the Oakland A's. Thanks a lot for the insight, and thanks for catching up, man. It's going to be a fun series. Let's see how it goes, Sparky. Astrocast is poured for you by Carbach Brewing. Get highlights, interviews, the latest news surrounding MLB, and your Astros. Brought to you by Carbach Brewing. Looking up. See you later. Into the Landry's Crawford boxes. Subscribe to Astrocast. Expecting a great season with this Astros team. The official podcast of the Houston Astros. It's going to be a lot of fun the whole way. Do you know uh, your rotation beyond tomorrow? Is that still up in the air? Yeah, it's still up in the air, Brian. Uh, Adam Spoline? Dusty, are, are you leaning towards uh, DHing Diaz in game two against the lefty and sitting Reddick? No, I can't tell you that. Uh, you know, that's, I, I'll let you know uh, tomorrow. Alden Gonzalez? Hey, Dusty. Um, obviously, um, Carlos Correa got a lot of attention um, a few days ago when he made that comment about what are they going to say now um, yep. about the Astros. And the other day, Josh Reddick was on here and he was joking about how he was disappointed that there weren't um, as many fans out at Dodger Stadium to greet uh, the Astros when they came came in earlier this year. I'm, I'm curious if, um, if there was a point this season when your team just sort of, I guess, kind of took on that quote unquote villain persona like okay like if you're all gonna hate us like all right bring it on like was that some sort of evolution that you saw as this season played out no it might have played it might have evolved to that but I didn't see it you know very it was very rarely talked about and uh you know the role of villain was you know was given to us you know it's not something that we we took on even though some of it was probably merited or most of it was probably merited and so, um, hey, man, I've been a villain most of my life. You know what I mean? So I might as well join the group. So, uh, and then, uh, you know, I don't tell my players what to say or anything. And, you know, it's like, hey, man, they're grown men. And, uh, I mean, this is America. And you can say what you want to say. I, I urge them to be a, uh, guarded sometimes. But, hey, man, if you say it, then you got to own it and you got to live up to it. Uh, and be a man. And so, uh, you know, like I said, this is a free country. You can say what you want to say. How do you feel like your team handled that label this year? I don't know. It's, it, it's hard to say how, how you handle it because there wasn't any fans in the stands. You know what I mean? You know, no fans in the stands. And unless you look at Facebook or Twitter or, or Instagram every day, which I don't know, some of these guys might. I mean, I never do. Uh, yeah, I mean they handled it as well as could you know could be. Now what we didn't handle was a, was a was a work stoppage and and then and then, and then coming back, um, uh, you know some prepared, some needed more time. You know most needed more time. I think, you know I mean I would have hated to be in this situation because shoot it would take me a month to get ready and then it would take me a month afterwards to to feel like I was ready. And so this was a very condensed. Um, season in all in all departments. Thanks, Dusty. Yep. Jared Diamond. Hey, Dusty. Uh, so you guys struck out less frequently as a team than any team in the majors this year, really? which is it's true. 
which is big. It is true. Only 19% of your at-bats were, were strikeouts. Was the lowest. That's, still, the that's still too high for me. <laughs> well, look, strikeout, not striking out a lot has been a great predictor of success in the postseason. Yes, I'm wondering, why, why do you think that is, that putting the ball in play in the playoffs specifically has been so helpful to teams? I do not know. You know, I've only been here two years, you know, I mean, two months. Uh, all I know is that when we were in the playoffs, you know, um, you know, we when as a player, I mean, you tried not to strike out and put the ball in play because anything can happen when you put the ball in play. You know, first, first, no matter how, if it's soft contact, hard contact, one side has to catch it, and and then one side has to throw it, and then the other, somebody else got to catch it again. So there's three there's three possibilities of of making a mistake. Versus if you strike out, you have no possibilities. You know what I mean? And like, uh, no possibilities of doing anything. And like, uh, I remember, I think when, the, was it the Mets in Kansas City? Yeah. Uh, uh, there was a little ground ball to, to uh, Duda. And, and, and he threw it away at the plate. It was soft contact. You know, and you look at Mets and you look at, you know, Boston. You know, I mean, God rest his soul, Billy Buckner and Mookie um, Wilson. You know, if you put a ball in play, you know, something can happen. And uh, a strikeout, nothing can happen. That's just like that. That's the opposite of like a walk. If you throw the ball right down the middle of the plate, he'll probably not fire from it, but there's a chance that he, he could hit it at somebody. But if you walk somebody, you have zero chance of getting him out. That makes sense. It makes sense. Thanks, Dustin. All right, David Barron. Dusty, is as Framber has improved over the uh, over the season, has his poise improved his pitching, or has his, has his pitching basically improved the poise which which he, he treats every game? Well, they kind of work hand in hand, I think. I mean, that was a good question. Um, I don't know. I didn't see him last year. I wasn't here. All I know is we had a conversation in spring training about Fernando and when he was young and taking his time and back, backing off. Um, you know, I, I would tend to think that the poise would help this, uh, you know, his pitching, you know, and when he's getting out of sync, this is when he backs off and regains his composure and his poise. Um, and then, and then, and then the more success you have, then it's easier to stay poised or easier to go back to the, you know, to the point of being poised. James Montgomery. Skip, uh, your team has been challenged physically this year with those injuries. Yeah. Mentally, how, how do you feel that they're doing mentally? Well, they're doing fine. I mean, that's what got us through this period. You know, that's what the mental, help get us through the, you know, the physical period. Because, man, we were, there was somebody dropping almost every day. I mean, I hated to have the trainer come in my, my office because he had some more bad news, either through, excuse me, either through an injury or, or you know, a COVID report or a COVID threat, or there was always something. So, I mean, this team is, is uh, it showed me that they're mentally strong big time until it's strong and spiritually together. All right, Dusty, thank you. All right, that's it.
Yep, that's it. You have a good one. Catch you later. All right. Now I can go play ball. <laughs> All right. Fromber Valdez will be next. Which was uh, announced today. Yeah, I feel really good. I um, feel really proud of, of the accomplishment of, of winning that. Um, but not just for myself, also for everybody that I worked with in Dominican Republic back home. Uh, it's, it's thanks to them that I was able to have the success that I was able to this year. Um, but yeah, it makes me really happy. I'm really proud of what I've been able to do uh, recently here with the team. And, and it feels really good. And I just want to continue like that. Jake Kaplan. Yeah, Fromber, when you were younger, who, who taught you how to throw your curveball originally? And, and what do you remember about learning that to throw that pitch? Cuando estaba joven, ¿quién te, quién te enseñó a lanzar esa curva? ¿Y, y qué te acuerdas de, de ese proceso de, de cómo te enseñaron a lanzar curva? Bueno, cuando muchacho nadie me la enseñó. Yo siempre tiraba una buena curva, siempre tiraba una buena curva en el equipo porque me decidí hacer piche como a los, a los 14, a los 15 años. Dije, quiero hacer piche porque no corro mucho, no me ponen a batear y tampoco me ponen a jugar a posición y por, por el tamaño. Me decidí a meter a piche y me gustó, ponchaba mucho, en la liga ponchaba mucho, mucho, pueden a pichar cada rato, pero la perfeccioné cuando estuve en Milwaukee firmado a un amigo mío que se llama Ángel, ahí jugando independiente ahora, que le agradezco mucho y siempre hablo con él, me enseñó la curva que él tiene, que le decían, la curva le decían el hacha en su equipo en Milwaukee, allí en Dominicana, y él fue que me perfeccionó la curva, hasta ahora no le he cambiado, ni pienso cambiarla, y gracias a él, Tengo la curva que tengo ahora. Yeah, when I was a kid, nobody showed me how to throw a curveball. It was something that I just kind of learned myself because I decided pretty young that I wanted to be a, a, a pitcher when I was about 14, 15 years old. Um, I couldn't run too much. I couldn't hit. I couldn't play a position. So I decided uh, I might as well be a pitcher. So something I worked on from a young age. Um, but then when I really perfected it was when I was signed with Milwaukee. A friend of mine, Angel, uh, was who, who showed me the curveball that I have uh, currently. And it's thanks to him that, that I have uh, the curveball that I have now. Any other questions for Fromber? Go ahead and uh, raise your hand. Chandler Rome. Fromber, what positions did you play before you uh, started pitching? Pero, como le dije, yo le llegaba mucha bola, pero como para la base no corría mucho, no se le correr para la base en mi mucha, en cuando yo era muchacho. Pero, y no me pueden jugar porque había un pelotero que era más pro que yo. Y, y a mí me gustaba siempre estar activo en el juego. Yo dije, me voy a meter a piche porque el piche siempre está jugando, siempre está tirando. Y ahí fue que me metí a piche, pero me gustaba jugar off-field. Siempre me gustaba jugar off-field. Uh, yeah, the years leading up to that, when I was about 13, I liked to play outfield a lot. Um, and I actually got on base a decent amount, but I didn't know how to run the bases too well, which was a problem for me. And there was also a lot of other players there that were more professional and more advanced than I was. Um, but I like to be active in the game. So for me, it was it was a decision of the pitcher is always active. He's always on the field. So for me, it was a perfect position for me. I like to be active. But before pitching, I like to play a lot outfield. Jay Kaplan. 
Yeah, just to follow up on what you said a few minutes ago, do you do you remember Angel's last name and how old were you when you when you worked with him on the curveball? Te acuerdas el apellido de de tu amigo Angel y cuántos años tenía cuando estaba trabajando con en la curva? Mi amigo Angel, el apellido se me va porque fue como en el 2015 que firmé con Milwaukee y lo conocí ahí en Milwaukee. Vive ahí, vive en West Palm Beach, pero el apellido tengo que recordarlo bien, pero después yo lo digo, pero en verdad él fue que me, me ayudó a tirar esa curva. Siempre hablo con él, lo tengo en Instagram, pero no me he fijado bien en el apellido, está jugando independiente. Y a veces te le preguntan por el cambio, pero el cambio no me resultó con él y lo tuve que aprender yo mismo, pero él fue que me enseñó la curva, pero el apellido no lo tengo actualmente memorizado. Ángel yeah, uh, Ventura. Ventura, Ventura, Ventura de Milwaukee, when in 2015, Angel Ventura. Uh, mm-hmm. He was, uh, yeah, I met him in 2015 when I was signed with the Brewers. He's playing independent ball now, but I have him on Instagram. I'm in contact still with him. Um, and yeah, he was the one back in 2015 who showed me how to throw a curveball. So you you had a deal with the Brewers at one point? Estaba firmado con los cerveceros, con los Brewers. Sí, estaba firmado con los cerveceros de Milwaukee en 2015. Yeah, in 2015, I was signed with the Brewers. And, and why did that uh, fall through? ¿Y qué pasó ahí? O sea, ¿por qué no seguiste con ellos? No, cosa de, de, del sistema de que la primera vez que firmé en Tampa que tenía un problemita de, de resonancia y placa, tú sabes, los requisitos que se cumplen y no pasé el físico y cosas como esas rutinarias y no lo pasé, pena 10 mil dólares me dieron y tú sabes que no lo equipo con el riesgo de eso, pero son cosas que pasan en el béisbol, en muchos peloteros y yo nunca me rendí y seguí, seguí buscando firmas. Yeah, it's just something that happened in baseball. I had a, a physical that I didn't quite pass back in 2015, but it was just a slight issue that I, I got over um, and they decided to, to not stick with me and, and take the risk. But, um, yeah, it, it ended up working out. David Barron? Trevor, Dusty has mentioned your uh, improved poise on the mound. Has that, has that poise improved your your pitching or has you are you becoming more poised because you're a better pitcher this year? Uh, Dusty ha, ha notado que tiene como más confianza ella uh, lanzando es, es porque tiene más confianza que ha redotado mejor o porque ha redotado mejor que te ha dado más confianza uh, porque me ha dado más confianza cuando una persona te da más confianza y tú le demuestras que tú puedes abrirle eh, la confianza a esa persona que te la dedica te siguen dando la oportunidad, pero si ellos te dan una oportunidad y te dan dos oportunidades y tú no la aprovechas, entonces la confianza de volver a dártela no la va a tener. Entonces yo le he demostrado que puede confiar en mí. Momentos que llegaron que uno fa, fa, falla en el juego son momentos de todo pelotero, pero él vio y le demostré que en verdad se puede confiar en lo que yo puedo hacer en el montículo. Yeah, it's a matter of having more confidence to begin with, um, and I've shown them that, that they can have the confidence in me to, have, to go out on the mound. Um, Every time, it's the thing where if you go out there a couple of times and you don't succeed, um, then then you can lose that confidence. But everything, every baseball player passes for moments of difficulty um, out there on the field, and it's a matter of how you respond to that. And I've, I've shown them that um, they can have the confidence in me to get through those moments. All right, Kyle Tucker will be next. Yeah, it's given how short this season is and was, uh, it's kind of – interesting that you're facing a pitcher for the fourth time. Um, what, what can you take from those three previous – games against Bassett and like what's coming into today like what's your priority in, in approach against him 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's nice because, you know, like you've said, we've faced them a couple times before, so that definitely helps us out a little bit because we kind of know a little bit about what his pitches do or where he tries to throw us. But, um, I mean, we, we just got to go with what, you know, our, our information from the past couple of games of against somewhere um, and then just kind of feel the game and, you know, try and have good at-bats and really get to them early. James Montgomery. James. David Barron, go ahead. Kyle, I remember, I recall one game during the season where things weren't going well and you sort of showed up one game wearing batting gloves and then all of a sudden you dropped it again. What what led to that and, and uh, uh, what uh, how, how have you developed to the point where you, you don't wear them? I know, I know your brother didn't wear them as well, I remember. So how did that yeah. come about? Um, I mean, I just wore them for the, the one game. Uh, I mean, I was hitting 190 at that point in the season. I think it was like the second or third week. So I was just trying to switch it up, hopefully get some hits. Um, but after the game, stopped wearing them again. So it was just something to try and mix it up and um, mix things up and just try and get, get some hits. Jared Diamond. Hey, Kyle. Uh, you guys, as a team, struck out less than any team in the majors this year. I'm just wondering, you know, how much of a value is it to this lineup to put the ball in play, and, and how do you think that guy, it's helped you guys this season? Um, I think it's huge. I mean, you know, the less amount of times that we strike out, we put the ball in play. So, I mean, whether it's, you know, hard hit contact or, you know, you get jammed or break your bat and put it in play, you, you still have that opportunity to, you know, try and beat out a ground ball or try and stretch a single into a double. So, I mean, if you're putting the ball in play, you know, good things happen. So that's just what we're trying to do is put up good ABs and make make good contact. AstroCast is brought to you by Carbock Brewing, the official podcast of the Houston Astros. See you later! It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.